Good day, Teresa Murphy. This is Murphy and Friends. We talked last week about memory lane. I want to continue on memory lane because it was a fun time. I remember, don't you remember, when the adults would sit outside, especially grandparents, and on the a horse and buggy would come with fruit, and they would look at the fruit, pluck it, especially watermelon, and they knew whether it was ripe or not. Till today, now I'm the same age as those people I called adults. I have no idea how do you pluck something and know if it's ripe or not. But they certainly did. And then there was carnival rise, that's right that it came, some was horse-drawn, like the fruit was horse-drawn wagons, and they would have Ferris wheel rides, and the whip, you know, you get in the seat and it whips you around, and it would be like for a penny or so, because one of the kids, she was older than myself, and I think her name was Irene, she would say, that's how people did then. Rather than go all the way upstairs, you go in the alleyway and you call your parents, Ma! And every mother knew who their child's voice was. Send me down a nickel! But it only cost maybe a nickel to get on a ride or five cents to get on a ride. And the rides would come to you. Yep, that was a reality. It was a wonderful reality. And... Go, uh, every church had an outing, and we would go to Savin Lake in Connecticut. Somehow, when, as an adult, I thought that really didn't exist, but it did. We'd go to Coney Island, and we would watch the sideshows. And the sideshows were bearded lady or people who turned into Frankenstein, and I would be mesmerized. It cost you about a nickel to get in. And now we don't do that because we know we're making fun of people who are different. And we all are different, but their their differences showed. So Coney Island had the Wonder Wheel. There was the Thunderbird and the Cyclone. There's only the Cyclone there now. And that was a, that was a place to go. Everybody went. You could have fresh clams, and that's why I have my a love of clams from Coney Island and City Island. I love going to City Island. And my parents with friends would go out there and fish. And the 12 bus at Fordham Road would still stop there. And they would go out on the pier. In the mid-70s, that pier was taken down because I have a picture with my ch children, and the pier was still there. And that pier was taken down, but that's where people would fish, and they loved it. And there were rocks somewhere, I don't know if it was off uh, City Island or what, where people would uh, fish on the rocks. And then afterwards, we would go to Johnny's Reef, which is still there. And all of those great things that you remember. Now I don't go there. I go to the first place. Lobster House, always great. So that's what kinds of things that we did. We would go to Orchard Beach, the number 12 bus. And we would take the number 26 that rode on 
Third Avenue with the train on top, costing 13 cents. We would go there, 26 to Fordham Road, and get on the 12 bus. That bus still exists. The 26 is now the 55. And I would look at the college, Fordham University. And I said, I bet you just white and rich people go there. I wouldn't, I could never go there. And we would take the bus going east down towards either Orchard Beach or City Island. And I would look at the homes and I would say, these are rich white people. That's what I would think. Well, what else was I think? I didn't see any black people, which we called Negroes then. But I didn't see them. And that was life. As we said, I said before, children know and they repeat what their parents repeat. School was extremely important. Children learned their ABCs. I happened to be always in those smart classes. But I didn't do as well in high school because there were uh, a lot of issues that I had. But we would go and we would test ourselves. Laverne, you know who I'm talking about, Laverne Davis. We would see how well you could spell, or Ada Leroy. I only saw her once after I graduated. I saw Loretta several times, and we would test ourselves, well, how do you spell ancient, antique? We were really smart kids, but all of us were like that. We all learned, and they were 30 in a class, and you would get spanked in a class. We know that. We've seen that. If you didn't do well, the teachers didn't spank you, but your parent could come and spank you. And that set everybody straight. Now, it's not like today, 2019. Rolling your eyes was enough that a parent could come and spank you in class. They said one time, I don't know, I may have said something on the staircase like to talk to somebody Murphy bring your mother to school tomorrow that was a death threat I didn't I didn't bring her to school I didn't even tell her and the teacher must have forgotten because I was really a nice kid and we would walk home together little kids talk about things like we were grown like we had all the knowledge in the world. But we were taught also that we knew that we were black. The black kids stayed with the black kids. And the white kids stayed with the black white kids. And Joyce, that's right, Joyce was there. You remember, we graduated in 1958, I believe, from sixth grade, PS42. And we said... George Washington slept in this school. And you know, that's still one of the oldest schools in New York. And I worked there and I said, you know, we were such an integrated group of people. All colors, all religions, but we still knew that we were different. And it was important to have somebody else different than you.
we had fun. Going to school was a pleasure. And they had gangs there. Yes, they had gangs. But that same gang member would hold the door for your parent or grandparent. We didn't take it out on, on anybody else. Rival people. My brother, he was very sick. And he was frequently in the hospital. Our family had sickle cell. But he had other things. He had, a, as we said, a bad heart. I found out after he died he had rheumatic fever. Uh, but we would go, and the hospitals remained the same. The hospital that I was born in and is still there today was the Bronx Hospital on the hill on Fulton Avenue. And when I had to go in because they were testing the family, they wanted to see if how sickle cell related to me. You were in a ward. One long ward of everybody. Children were not separated from uh, uh, adults the first time I went. They were separated the second time I went. It was just a different time. You never thought about it. You never thought that uh, you would get hurt. Well, this shouldn't be that way. That's the way it was. And everybody was obedient because God was the doctor. People treated the doctor as God. And if you were very sick, they would come to your house. And usually, they would give you a, maybe an injection or so. But very often, you went to the, to the office for whatever. And doctors were doctors alone, not, with a, not in a doctor's group as we have today. Whatever the doctor said, he was right. He. I didn't see any she doctors until I was grown, grown. Until I was pregnant with my first child. But that was the way of life. Now getting back to PS42, up the street was Claremont Parkway. And there was Bathgate. There was another movie about Bathgate also. Just like the Bronx Tale with the numbers and the man who walks a certain way. Well, so on, on Bathgate, you had where they had live chickens. And I would go with my mother and she would pick a chicken out. And they would take their neck and bring it and cut it off. That, for me was terrible. I couldn't stand walking on the feathers and I would cry and of course if the parents said don't cry you can't cry anymore. And she would go to each market whether they, this one might sell vegetables, that one sold fruit, this one selling stockings and that was the last time I saw Anna Leroy. She was, I might have been a teenager then. The pizza store on Claremont Parkway was there at least 10 years ago because I saw it. And that's what you did. And on Saturdays, this was big for little kids. You've seen our gang comedy. Well, that's how it was like. Saturday, you got a quarter and you went to the movies. And the kids would just empty out as you kept walking. They would empty out. And we were all going to see. Uh, Fenway, and you would stop by the deli and get a pickle, 
and you would wait on line because movies was only a dime. And you saw five movies, no, five cartoons and two movies. That means you were away all day. And I must say, the children behaved terribly. I didn't behave terribly because it was wrong. And I wasn't going to do something that I thought was wrong. They would run all over and everything. But when the movie came on, they were quiet. And it was usually a cowboy movie. And we were always, most of the kids, I don't care what color they were, were rooting for the, as we called them then, the Indians. And of course the Indians never won, but we would root for them anyway. That was the thing to do at that time. And then we would leave. We would leave the movie. Now it's dark out. And it was over by five, and I guess that's when the adults came. There, there were no cartoons for them. And I remember one October for Halloween, we walked from 170th Street, Washington Avenue, to Tremont Avenue. Going to Tremont Avenue was a big thing. And there was a movie. They had something there for kids that day. And we went. That was another piece of fun. No adults. There were no, no, no adults. Just kids. And on Jerome Avenue, that movie house on Tremont is now a church. On Jerome Avenue... In Fordham, I used to go with my brother. He's only two years older than me. And that's how it was. We would go roller skating or ice skating. Don't forget, kids were grown at that age. You could do that. Everybody loved it. And we would go roller skating or ice skating and listen to what other kids say that you thought were older than yourself. I remember waiting online at Fenway and this man comes along he says you know Tony Curtis he lived here he was a, our friend here now he's a big movie star and that was true so you had a lot of kids from all over we were very independent and we knew what we should do much more independent now, my daughter was saying her son will be eight within three weeks. That how he didn't even want to walk up the street by himself. He wants to have his grandpa pick him up. We didn't think anything of that. I know that one time my brother took me to uh, the Museum of Natural History on 79th Street. We went across town on the bus. We went to 168th Street, across town on the bus, and then took the D train down, and then changed to the local. We went by ourselves. And I remember going to Mount Lawn Camp, which was a great camp, and it still exists today. However, it's not in New York anymore. It's in the Poconos in Pennsylvania. My kids went also. And we went there by ourselves and came back. But I met a friend at Mount Lawn, and I was 11. And I went to her house. 
she was one block west of the Yankee Stadium. Yep. We traveled alone. And no one said, be careful of this or that. Don't talk to this or that. Maybe they should have. But we didn't. So, that was part of our growing up in the city. And on the train, which was right, which was on 3rd Avenue, they took it down in the late 70s. Mid-70s. Mid-70s, not late 70s. Kids got on the train all the time by themselves. And they rode here or there. We don't think of that now. We do see kids on the train now going to school and whatnot. But they're high school kids. Or at least in the 8th grade. That didn't exist. We would go by ourselves. We didn't have to wait to high school. That's really silly. And we would go wherever we had to go. My mother would take my brother and I down to Rockefeller Center, where we had private lessons for ice skating. And then there's a restaurant right there that you can overlook Rockefeller Center. And we would overlook Rockefeller Center as we ate. I thought everybody did it. I didn't know I was a part of this elite kind of thing. We also went to a resort owned by black people. The name was, the name was Mr. Cider. And uh, it was called Mountain View Lodge. Because people think that black people never had anything. That's just not true. And it was owned by blacks. They had little cabins that you stayed in. And you had a cafeteria-type breakfast. And, of course, now that was the only time I was scared. When my parents would leave to hang out and leave Ronnie and I there by ourselves in the cabin. If you did something like that now, they'd put you in jail. I think we're overprotective of children. What would happen if something happened to you? And we also went to an integrated uh, resort. And I can't remember, Camp Unity, that's what it's called. And people were there from everywhere, all kinds of people. And we had people to look after us. And later I found out that Mama said that they considered that a communist place. Communist because people are getting together of all colors, all countries. How crazy could that be? But we, that was our suburb retreat. And in Mount Lawn, I was taking my daughter to a swim meet. And I saw Christian Harrell. It's under Christian Harrell. And when we came back, I went in that direction. And the camp was now called something different. The cabins were absolutely beautiful. But they had moss and a whole bunch of vines hanging on them. And I went, we went a little further, and there was Mountain View Lodge. It was no longer a place for middle-income blacks. It was a place for the homeless. That's good. That's a good reason. And I thought that everybody did what we did. 
Well, as I got older, maybe 10 and 11, some of my mother's friends moved to Queens. And I went out there one time. And Miss Branch, her mother had died. And the casket was in the living room. Well, up until recently, I would have to get up at night and go use the toilet. And I was terrified because I thought her mother in the living room. So people did that. The only other time I saw that is when I was in Puerto Rico about 20 years ago. The mother was in the living room. I mean, no, we went to... The, we went to someone's house, and the parent was in the living room. And I thought it was a funeral home, because it was made like a funeral home, but it wasn't. And as I recall, the movies, which I, or I should say TV shows, with Amos and Andy and Beulah, and a lot of black people did not like that show, those shows, because... That's not who they were. And they didn't like people thinking that that's how we were and that's how we lived. We didn't live like that. We were okay. We had dinner together. My dad worked every day. My mom, she, her thing was the numbers. And occasionally she would take care of kids, but not that wasn't much of my memory. In the neighborhood, you knew each other, you knew the families. You may not have interacted with them, but you knew them. And children didn't do disrespect. Children call adults by their first name. That was absolutely a taboo. You don't do that. You're not an adult, you're a child. So there was a great deal of respect. Now, I was raised as a Baptist. My great-grandmother was one. She, what, she wasn't the person who put her name on the, uh, on the roll, but one of the founders of Gethsemane Baptist Church, which is still there. And I would go to church on Sundays with my First, I would go to uh, Sunday school. Then we would go to church and we would sit. And I would sit with my grandmother on the front pew right next to her. And I never understood what this religion was about. I didn't. And it wasn't explained to me as a child. So, we would sit there and if you if you as a child was not listening or someone thought you were misbehaving, misbehaving, you have to understand, is not the same as it is today. The parent or grandparent would hold you by the hand, raise your hand, that means excuse me, and take you out of church and you could get a spanking. But I never did because I knew I did not want a spanking. And they would say to my great-grandma, Mother Davis, you have such a good grandchild. And I think she was proud and I was proud too. And that's part of my life. For the three minutes I have left, I will tell you what urban renewal is.
urban removal. That was a good neighborhood. It was clean. They even had, from the sanitation department, people who came and cleaned the streets. That's right, cleaned the streets. And it, no job was too low. Everybody was respected. Mr. Amos, he was respected. He worked inside the building as a helper, but he had somewhere to sleep. Homelessness? Who's homeless? You can't be homeless. That's where the Bowery was. And my mother would say, all white people live there. And they were because the camp, Christian Herald, Mount Lawn, that's where we had to register. And I was terrified. They'd be on the steps of the train station and I would hold my mother so tightly. But we all know that blacks didn't do that. Blacks, blacks had to stay. Unfortunately, now it's different. That anyone had to live like that. But it's different now. Many don't have anywhere to stay. Many are mentally disturbed. Maybe they're mentally disturbed because life has not been good to them. But anyway, urban removal, removing poor people and blacks to projects where the whites, if they served in the service, they can move to Levittown. Streets were clean. You didn't hear children disrespecting a black adult or talking back to an adult. That's what I meant to say. Talking back. Unheard of. Every child had respect. Now some children were evil like Bunny. Every time she saw me, I, I don't know what I did to the girl. She would run after me just to pounce on me. If she's listening, she knows who she is. And people were clean. Their neighborhoods were orderly. Nobody talked about, I'm afraid to go out at night. And that's not to say that people weren't raped or anything, but you didn't know about it. Even when my father had those card games into the early morning, I would hear one time, one time, this man was getting ready to hit this lady. She had a funny name. Nazarene. Nazarene was her name. And my father said, you won't do that here. My father was an ex-boxer. He was proud of that. Buildings were clean. You didn't throw things on the ground. I threw something on the ground. Some little teeny thing on the ground. When I got home, my mom knew. Because she just didn't do that. You're living here and you must live like a lady. Well, we had to move. Everybody had to move. We would never again see the beer factories around the corner on 3rd Avenue. Schaefer beer was for black people. They had Miss Schaefer. Rango was for white people. They had Miss Rango. They also had Miss Subway. That would never be again. I think Ballantine Beer was there. The beer factories were there. I know that they had the Ragman. That was around the corner from us.
and they would get rags and they would recycle them. Everything was recycled. It's nothing like you throw it away and it's no more. But they got rid of us. And we were scattered all around. My grandma, who lived right in the next apartment across the hall, she was sent to the Bronx River Projects. We were sent to Eden War Projects. And to get to Bronx River Project by bus was two hours. If you had a car, maybe 20 minutes. And I didn't know that I could get there by the two or the five train and just walk down. So I took the bus. And it was painful because I couldn't see my grandma that much. This is Teresa. Murphy and friends, and I've got to go. I'm looking at the time, and I want you to listen all the time. If you want to write me, whether you like what I said or dislike, or want to add to what I said, I will put it on the air. If you want to add my email, T as in Teresa, Nona, N-O-N-A-45 at gmail.com. Teresa. Murphy, Murphy and Friends, T Nona 45 at gmail.com. I'll see you next week. Bye bye.